Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly. I am coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. We are back for another day of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hopefully, just maybe, we can make you smile once or twice a day. Happy Wednesday to you. You know, we had the Major League Baseball NL wildcard game last night. And, you know, just going through this week with Monday Night Football, we had those tiebreaker games going on Monday night. We had a wildcard game last night. We have another one tomorrow night. Major League Baseball is suddenly interesting. We've got Thursday night football. Indianapolis Colts versus New England Patriots. It just seems like there is so much going right now. These weeks are going to start flying by because there's just so many things. Every single night you're looking forward to something new. It is a very exciting time of year. If you'd like to contact the show, we would, of course, love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or go over to Facebook or Twitter. You can find us over there. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. You know, we do post a link to the podcast over there every day, but every once in a while we will throw up a random thought or just something that you might want to check in on. Pretty good way to keep up with the show over on Facebook or Twitter. And maybe you have some feedback for the show. Maybe you have a question or something that you would like us to talk about or address. Maybe you have a suggestion for us. Actually heard from someone this past week, had a suggestion for a guest to come on the show. Hey, feel free to reach out. We would always love to hear from you. Today on the show, of course, we will be taking a look at a few of the top news stories coming out. And we just might have to get to a few Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! You never know what it is that we're going to be ranking this week. Plus, we are now over a month into the college football season. I want to take a look at something very specific in college football today on the show. We'll be talking about that here in just a few minutes. But first, let's jump into some breaking news. We did get some high drama in Chicago last night as the Chicago Cubs hosted the Colorado Rockies in the National League Wild Card game. The Rockies took a one-run lead early in the first inning and held it until the bottom of the eighth when the Cubs came storming back. They tie it up. The game goes to 13 innings, and that is when an unlikely hero stepped up for the Colorado Rockies, because that is when backup catcher Tony Walters did this. Here is a clip from ESPN. With a base hit up the middle, and the Rockies have taken the lead! Three straight, two out singles. Hey, the Colorado Rockies advance to face the Milwaukee Brewers in the NLDS Who in the world had Colorado somehow outlasting the Cubs in Chicago to move forward out of a one-game playoff? No one. That's who. Hey, but that's why we play these games. And so far, the Major League Baseball postseason has already proven to be very, very exciting. Switching over to college football, you know, after leaving last week's game against Syracuse because of that nasty hit he took to his head and neck, Clemson Tigers freshman quarterback Trevor Lawrence, they say he's expected to play this week against Wake Forest on Saturday. Lawrence participated in practice on Monday. He did clear concussion protocol, and Clemson head coach Dabo Swinney said he expects the freshman to be in the lineup against Wake Forest on Saturday. That's why I put him back in practice, he said. But I do have to question a little bit of this. because. Why would you bring him back for Wake Forest? Why would you not bring him back, say, in another week? 
Why bring him back now? They can beat Wake Forest without him. We saw them somehow, and they had to struggle for it, beat Syracuse last week without him. Why wouldn't you let this kid take one more week and make sure he's ready? Hey, I've given Dabo Swinney a ton of credit for the job that he has done at the University of Clemson. To transform that university into a football powerhouse, which is absolutely what they are, he gets all the credit in the world. But his handling of this whole situation with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence has been really weird. Doesn't seem like it's gone according to plan. And I know that Dabo Swinney is a guy that says, hey, competition is wide open. You can be replaced at any time. And that is some of how Clemson is keeping their edge every single week. But at the same time, this looks like this was kind of mishandled. You needed Kelly Bryant on this roster, I think. The fact that he is gone, yeah, I think that was a mistake by this Clemson coaching staff. And I'm a little bit concerned that they might be bringing Trevor Lawrence back a little too soon. And it makes you wonder if that game last week against Syracuse scared them so much when he left, they were like, we got to get him back. I don't know if we can beat Wake without him. We got to get him back. He's our guy. We have to get him back in here. Don't hurry him back too soon. And also, when you do bring him back, let him know it's okay to go out of bounds. Because apparently he hasn't learned that just yet. Might want to harp on that. Switching over to the NFL, of course, we saw on Monday night, the Kansas City Chiefs overcame a 10-point Denver Broncos lead in the fourth quarter with back-to-back touchdown drives in the final 12 minutes. They end up winning that game 27-23. Kansas City scored the game-winning touchdown on a four-yard run by Kareem Hunt with just a minute 43 left to play. And we saw it a little bit Monday night. They talked about it briefly. Four plays before that scoring run, we all saw the play clock run out on the Chiefs. And then we saw that play, a 35-yard completion from Patrick Mahomes to tight end Demetrius Harris. That was on a third and seven. Without that third and seven, we could have had a completely different game. They would have been facing a fourth down and possibly had to punt the ball away because the play moved the ball from the Broncos' 46-yard line to the 11-yard line just before the two-minute warning. Now, we saw the replays on the broadcast. We saw those shown from the field where you see the play clock at zero before the ball has been snapped. Now, you might hear this. And you might think, well, that's just a Homer Bronco fan and he's just mad they lost and he's just complaining about the fact that they missed the call. And that's actually not what this is. I understand that, but that's not what this is. I don't actually blame the refs for missing that because I think they have so many things to do. We give referees these days way too many things to watch. Hey, you've got to watch the line of scrimmage. Hey, you've got to watch the play clock. You've got to watch for holding. You've got to watch for pass interference. You've got to watch for hands of the face. You've got to watch for what if a guy accidentally landed too hard on a quarterback. We're giving these referees way too much to watch. But here's the one question that I have when I saw this mistake in the Kansas City-Denver game and in a number of games around the league that we see constantly. Why is the richest American sports league still using antiquated methods to measure things? Why is it that there's not some sort of a sensor in the football and a laser across the field that tells us if the ball broke the plane? Why is it that there's not some sort of a alarm that sounds on the head referee when the play clock goes out, it just buzzes him and he just blows the play dead? Why is the NFL 
an entity that is making billions and billions of dollars still measuring their game with sticks and chains and index cards. Does this make sense to anyone? Because it makes no sense to me. Why in the world are they still running this antiquated system? I take baseball to task for this all the time. They still have these silly methods that, well, that's how it's always been done. That's just how we do it. We have the technology. Why in the world do we sometimes see kicks? I'm not sure if that went over the upright or did it go inside the upright? Did it go outside the, I can't tell. You know, they could probably put some sort of a laser or sensor or camera up on top of that goalpost and we'd never have these things again. They could probably put some sort of a pylon cam that we could see specifically the ball broke the plane, the sensor was broken, or it wasn't. I don't understand. It's so confusing to me. This is a multi-billion dollar empire and we're still using a couple of sticks and a chain to measure for first downs. There is no way we should have had to go to an instant replay in that Cleveland Browns-Oakland Raiders game because the technology is there to let us know did the ball break the plane of where they needed to get for the first down. There's no way the clock should run out on Kansas City and they, hey, we missed it. You know what? That's our bad. What's even worse is after the game, when the officials come out and they tell you, or the league comes out and they tell you, hey, we missed it. You know what? That, that's on us. That's on us. Sorry about that. Well, that doesn't help us get a win. That doesn't change the outcome of the game. We can't go back and have doozies overs. Can the NFL please get a little bit smarter? We saw, was that last year? that we weren't sure based on the chains and the sticks if they had a first down. So the referee kneeled down and stuck an index card in there. Is that really where we're at with this game? Unbelievable. Like I said, it's hard for me to blame the officials on this. They are asked to do so much, but could the league step in with some technology and just maybe move football into the 21st century? I'm not asking for that much. One more story coming out in the NFL. You know, it actually came out yesterday, but we were so busy on our Tuesday show. We just didn't have a chance to get to it. Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell says he is playing football in 2018 and he doesn't expect to be traded. In fact, he still has hope that the Steelers are going to give him that long-term contract once his franchise tag is up. Bell is staying away from the team to preserve his body, but a source is saying Bell is expected to report to the Pittsburgh Steelers during week seven when the Steelers are actually on a bye and that he plans to be ready for their week eight matchup with the Cleveland Browns on October 28th in Pittsburgh. Of course, we know Le'Veon Bell has been sitting out this entire season so far. He has refused to sign his franchise tender, but he says he is in prime physical condition and that if needed, he could play football tomorrow. A couple problems with that. First off, if you could play football tomorrow, then why don't you play football tomorrow? But we'll push that aside. Next question. What else is he going to say? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm coming back, but not really in very good shape. Been smoking a lot. Been smoking a lot of weed, actually. You know, now that I think about it, I've been eating bags and bags of Funyuns. And where's that ice cream you promised me, by the way? Here's the thing. When I hear that Le'Veon Bell is coming back in week seven during the bye week, whatever. Why would anyone believe anything that Le'Veon Bell says at this point? 
remember, he said originally, I'm not going to miss any time. I'll be there for my teammates. I won't miss anything. He's missed quite a bit of time now. Then he said, I'm not going to come back at all. I'm willing to forfeit the money and sit out the entire season. So why come back now? Why wouldn't you just sit out the entire season? You said you might do that. Why even bother? And then I have the question of when he does come back, do his teammates want him back? Like if you were his teammate, do you want him back? I guess if he helps you win, then maybe you want him back a little. But if his heart's not truly in helping you win, I don't know if you even block for him. I'm not going to kill myself for this guy. He certainly doesn't care about us. I don't know how hard I'm really going to work for this guy. We'll see if Le'Veon Bell actually does come back and we'll see how that changes the chemistry on the Steelers. I will say this though. The Pittsburgh Steelers, honestly, they are just a year-round soap opera. It is just constant with them. If it's not Bell, it's Brown. If it's not Brown, it's Roethlisberger. If it's not Roethlisberger, it's Tomlin. It's always something when this team... I seriously, I can't imagine being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I would be ripping the hair out of my head. They are so talented, but they are so frustrating and they are missing an era when they could have been contenders and they're not actually contending for anything, at least right now. And by the way, if they end up losing a couple more games in these next few weeks, and it's very possible that they could end up losing a few games, there's really no reason for Le'Veon Bell to come back at all. We'll see what happens in Pittsburgh. That is a bizarre, bizarre team. Hey, coming back, we are now more than a quarter of the way through the college football season. And as we see things beginning to take shape, I have one question. Who is going to win that Heisman Trophy? We're going to discuss the top candidates when we get back. So I've said it before. We honestly, we don't care too much about trophies. We just don't. There are a few trophies we care about. But for the most part, a trophy isn't that big of a deal, at least here in the U.S. We care about the Lombardi Trophy. Try to win that. We care about the Stanley Cup, I guess, sort of. And we care about the Heisman Trophy. The funny thing about the Heisman Trophy, we really only care about the Heisman until it is awarded. So we're sitting there and we're saying, hey, who's going to win the Heisman this year? Who's going to actually get the Heisman Trophy? And then they announce who won it. We say, oh, he won it? Eh, who cares? He's going to suck in the NFL anyways. I didn't really care that much. I don't know why we do it, but we do. But now that we are a little over a month into the season, who are the early contenders to actually be named the top player in all of college football? There's a few candidates out there. First off, let's eliminate a few players that we know they might try to hype them up. They're not going to win anything. First off, People may talk about the University of Houston's defensive lineman, Ed Oliver. Hey, I love Ed Oliver. He is a force on the defensive line. He can break down your offense, and he does it from the interior of the line, not off the edge. Ed Oliver is an absolute stud. Love that kid. He's playing well. But we all know they're not naming a defensive player the Heisman winner. People are still mad that Charles Woodson won it over Peyton Manning back in the 90s. You think Ed Oliver out of Houston's going to win it? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Next, we've heard a lot about Stanford running back Bryce Love, but I don't think he has a chance. He's too injured. He's exciting. No question about it. When Bryce Love is on the field, you need to watch. Pay attention because he's explosive. The problem is that he's just not on the field all that much. 
Next, we have Central Florida quarterback Mackenzie Milton. He's already thrown 13 touchdowns. He has over 1,200 yards. Could he win a Heisman to add down in Central Florida to their national championship, I don't know, trophy that they made with aluminum foil or whatever it is that they have? No, I don't think he can. Because the last time that the Heisman Award went to a non-Big 5 school, we've got to go clear back to 1990 when they gave it to BYU quarterback Ty Detmer. So I really don't think that's going to happen. Milton is another exciting player. He's not putting up that big of numbers, and I don't think they're giving it to a non-Big 5 school. So who is going to win the Heisman this year? Here are the top candidates, at least right now. Starting off with West Virginia quarterback Will Greer, because Will Greer is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He is going to be selected in that NFL draft next year, probably pretty early. He's a senior, and he's already thrown for nearly 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns. So he definitely has the numbers. The question that I have for Will Greer, how is he going to perform in some of the big upcoming games against teams like Texas and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma? If he can step up and put up big numbers against those three, he'll have a chance to go to New York. Now, I don't know if he'll win it. Maybe West Virginia isn't enough of a household name, but Will Greer would have a chance if he can show well against those three schools. Staying in the Big 12, the next candidate I think that is out there is Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. I think he has a legitimate chance to have the numbers and Oklahoma have the record that he is in that Heisman conversation. The Sooners are rolling through the Big 12 again and Murray is putting up, well, I guess Big 12 kind of numbers. He has already thrown for over 1,400 yards. He has 17 touchdowns. But here's the one question that I have about Kyler Murray. Would the Heisman Committee give it to the same school two years in a row since Baker Mayfield just won it last year? It hasn't happened since USC won back-to-back Heismans with Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. Wait. Well, actually, they took Bush's Heisman back. So does that count or does that not count? I'm not really sure. I mean... Reggie Bush won it, but then they told us all to pretend that he didn't win it. So I don't know whether or not to believe them or my own lying eyes. I don't know how that works exactly. But I guess prior to that, we'd have to go clear back to the 40s and Army when Glenn Davis won it one year and Doc Blanchard won it another year. So it's been a while. I'm not sure if the Heisman Committee would do that. Doesn't happen very often. Kyler Murray's in the race. We'll see if they would give it to Oklahoma twice. Next up, I would look at Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley, and yes, I realize Penn State just lost that big game to Ohio State, and they did it on a huge national stage. But hey, Trace McSorley might have gained even more attention for what he did in that loss. Do you realize Trace McSorley threw for 286 yards and two touchdowns? And that actually wasn't all. He also ran for 175 yards. McSorley has already thrown for 10 touchdowns. He has run for another six. He's definitely in the hunt for the Heisman. And as bizarre as it is, that loss to Ohio State might have helped him because he had such a huge night. Our next Heisman candidate that is out there is another guy that was in that game, Ohio State quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. He wasn't crazy impressive in the Buckeyes win against McSorley, but he did have 270 yards passing and three touchdowns. And he got the other thing that Heisman voters really like. 
because he won. He won a huge game on the national stage, on the season. Dwayne Haskins has completed nearly 71% of his passes. He has 19 touchdowns. He has just two interceptions. If Ohio State continues to win, Dwayne Haskins is definitely going to get a number of votes for that Heisman Trophy. Finally, we get to our final candidate. If I were picking a Heisman candidate right now, who else could it be? Alabama sophomore quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's biggest drawback in this season so far is the fact that he's getting the Crimson Tide out to such big leads that he's only playing until like halftime. We think of Alabama as this defensive monster every single year, and they always are. We always see their defense so, so good. But now, Tagovailoa actually has them putting up huge offensive numbers too. He's completing a ridiculous 75% of his passes. He has 14 touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, zero interceptions. He has also run for 115 yards and two more touchdowns. I know it's barely October, and I know that things will change a lot. And by the time we get to December and into January, we may look back and say, this guy dropped out of the race. This other player stepped up and really turned into a contender. Maybe they even ended up winning the Heisman. But right now, as things stand, an Alabama sophomore passing quarterback would win my Heisman. Now, when in the world was the last time that we have ever said all those words together in the same sentence? I don't think that it's ever happened before, but it is happening right now. Hey, coming back, we need to get to our Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings. Hump Day! The Major League Baseball playoffs began last night. They continue on the rest of this week. Who are the favorites to win the World Series? We are going to go to a very trusted source and find that out. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. October's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Cursed, Haunted by Dark Spirits and Evil Creatures. Sorry, but it sounds like you've been cursed. Fight back against your regrettable fate with an exclusive collection of accursed gear. October's Loot Crate theme features items from Attack on Titan, Gremlins, Evil Dead 2, and American Horror Story. Looks like they are getting ready for Halloween over at Loot Crate. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just individual items. And they have so many things over there, they are sure to have exactly what you need. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order, just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. So on Wednesdays, we do like to take a look at something current, maybe get some stats, maybe get some numbers, maybe get some sort of a ranking together that you can't really argue with it. It's not really a matter of opinion. It's a matter of just facts. So with the Major League Baseball playoffs beginning this week, we wanted to see who the experts are favoring to win this World Series. Who else could we possibly turn to except for the most trustworthy source out there in terms of of sports predictions, yes, Las Vegas. We know, Vegas knows more than anyone else, and yes, they make mistakes here or there, but they're fewer than everyone else's. So let's take a look at right now who Las Vegas is predicting to win 
the World Series. And then we can just kind of see how accurate they are as these playoffs shake down. Here are the odds for each remaining Major League Baseball team to win the World Series. This is according to Vegas Insiders. And understand that these were actually issued prior to that wildcard game last night. So we'll see if those lines change at all as this postseason progresses. We have three teams at the bottom of the Vegas list, and they are all at 12 to 1 odds to win the World Series. Now, I think these three teams are where they are for very different reasons. First, you have the Atlanta Braves, and the Braves are a surprising team. They were picked by most experts prior to the season to finish dead last in the NL East. But then we saw the Braves be better than expected, and we also saw the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies just collapse down the stretch. Enter the Atlanta Braves. The bad news for the Braves, they're very, very young. The good news, well, they're young and dumb and they don't know that they shouldn't win. So the Braves are right there at 12 to 1. Another team at 12 to 1 is the Oakland A's. Hey, they are a hot team, but don't forget, they were below 500 back in mid-June. Now, the A's play extremely well on the road. That may bode well for them tonight. And their bullpen has been excellent. But I think Vegas is looking at Oakland and saying, okay, you've been hot. But can that heat last in the postseason against quality teams? And I think that's why they're as low as they are. And then you have the Colorado Rockies who have just been a roller coaster all season. They've had the lowest run differential to make the playoffs. They finished the season at just a plus 35 in run differential. So the Braves, the A's, and the Rockies are the lowest rated teams in the playoffs. According to Vegas, they have 12 to 1 odds to win the World Series. Coming in at 10 to 1 odds are two big name teams, but both the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees have some obstacles in this postseason. First and foremost, they've both had to play in the wildcard game. That's always a dicey proposition. Yes, the Cubs got back into the postseason, but their bullpen hasn't been dependable all year. Joe Madden's bullpen decisions are always, let's just say, interesting. So that's why the Cubs are as low as they are. The Yankees, hey, they're the ultimate home run hitting lineup. Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, but they have fought injuries all season and they're still not 100%. So the Cubs and the Yankees, Vegas had them at 10 to 1 odds. The Cleveland Indians are rated by Vegas at 8 to 1 odds. Hey, they've got pitching they have hitting. So why aren't the Indians a little bit higher in Vegas's mind? Well, one, the American League is just loaded with talent. But two, the Indians play in the AL Central, and they were the only team in that division to even finish above 500. So they haven't been playing meaningful baseball all year, really. They've been coasting. Can Cleveland hit that switch now that the postseason is honest? Vegas seems to think that they can't. Keep an eye on the Cleveland Indians. I really like that team. At 7-1, to one, we have the Milwaukee Brewers, who have been a bit of a surprise. Hey, Christian Yelich is an MVP kind of guy. He has absolutely been amazing all year, and their bullpen and their defense are so good, maybe Milwaukee could be that sneaky team that gets through that no one expected. Prior to the season, who had the Milwaukee Brewers as the fourth best team in Major League Baseball? Yeah, nobody, but that's where Las Vegas has them right now. Moving up to the third ranked team in Vegas's mind, coming in at nine to two is a team that just should be better, but they aren't, but they should be because the Los Angeles Dodgers roster 
is absolutely stacked, but they started the season 16-26. to They weren't healthy. They finally got healthy. We wait and wait and wait for them to hit the switch, and sometimes they hit the switch, and other times they don't hit the switch. The bullpen has been a concern all season for the Dodgers, but so has coming up with hits in clutch times, and I think that could be what dooms the Los Angeles Dodgers. Vegas might like the Dodgers a little more than I do. They have them at 9-2, to ranked third among teams in the playoffs. The team that Vegas likes second best is the defending World Series champs, the Houston Astros. They come in with 7-2 to two odds. And the one thing you can say about Houston this year, they haven't had that championship hangover. Maybe some of the reason they haven't is because they've had so many injuries. Other players, younger players sometimes, have had to step up. It's not so fun at the time, but I think it's actually kept the Houston Astros fresh this year. Their offensive numbers, of course, are down a bit, but they've spent a significant amount of time without players like Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, and George Springer. Now that those guys are back, don't count out the Houston Astros. They're going to be right there. The problem for them is they're going to face a ton of talent just to get to the World Series, but I still like those Houston Astros a lot. Finally, we get to the top team that Las Vegas likes more than anyone right now to win the World Series, and that is the Boston Red Sox at 3-1 to odds. The thing about Boston, they are capable of manufacturing scoring. It might be home runs, but it might not. Boston led the majors in runs scored and batting average. They actually increased their home run output from 2017 by 40 runs. Hey, they were good last year. To go up by that amount, that's pretty impressive. And don't forget, Boston is very, very good playing at Fenway Park. Home field advantage throughout the postseason could end up being huge. Hey, the Major League Baseball playoffs officially started last night. It should be a very fun postseason. We just might want to keep an eye on these Vegas odds and see how they turn out. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will, of course, be bringing you the latest and greatest in breaking sports news. And, you know, I feel like we just might have a few sports media overreactions to talk about tomorrow, too. What is the sports media world drumming up this week? We'll talk about that tomorrow. Hey, I have to say thank you all so much for listening to and for sharing the show. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the texts and the tweets. If you'd like to contact us, hit us up, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or find us over on Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Wednesday. <laughs>